Hello everyone, and welcome back to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, where we're watching and discussing every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, and chatting about plenty of other things along the way. My name is Ellie. And my name is Jenny. And today we are going to be delving into the depths of the ocean with another Duel Monsters duel and meeting... A freaky fish guy. <laughs> Making quite a splash, dare I say. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of water and ocean-based puns on display in the um, English dub version of this episode. A truly obscene amount, I would say. <laughs> and I mean, possibly also in Japanese as well. I wouldn't know. I would assume that if there were puns, they wouldn't have been translated. Obviously, you know? can't pick up the intricacies. Oh, well. Sad that we'll miss that, but... All right, do you want to dive right in? Yeah, I don't see why not. I don't have anything else to talk about. Me neither. Boring life. Boring life, but Yu-Gi-Oh! is here to spice up our lives. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. Injects a little adrenaline into my week every week. I would say so. I would say so. All right, so this week's episode is episode seven, right? Yeah, seven. Um. Mm-hmm. And it is called Sea God Leviathan in Japanese, or in English it is called Attack from the Deep, and it aired on May 30th, 2000, or um, in English on November 10th, 2001. Sea God Leviathan is just such a superior name. Not gonna lie, I've been way more impressed with the Japanese titles so Mm -hmm. far. It depends on the episode, because I have noticed that the Japanese titles seem to focus on the monsters a lot. That's true. Because um, Leviathan is the Japanese name for our feature duelist's main monster, which is called Kairyushin in uh, English. Ah. Uh, Yeah, which is, it's interesting that they took a, like, English slash Hebrew, I think it is originally, word from the Japanese version and then turned it into a Japanese name in the English version, I guess, to keep it, like, foreign. <laughs> I don't know what the thought was <laughs> behind that. Keep it mysterious. Because mm. <laughs> I know that they, there's another card, it's, um, in English, it's Hitotsume Giant, which is, like, the Japanese word for Cyclops, but then in Japanese, the card is called Cyclops. Who knows why they do that? Hitotsume Giant, it's so, I didn't know that's what a Cyclops is called because it's just a cool-sounding monster. To me. Yeah. Alright, so anyways, this episode opens up with um, the gang walking around through the forest of Duelist Kingdom, and uh, Jinochi is still grinning to himself in delight over the starship that he won in his duel against Mai last week. However, this is interrupted by uh, his stomach grumbling, and he's like, I'm hungry, y'all. Are you guys hungry? And it turns out that all of them are, in fact, hungry, but um, none of them, sadly, none of them thought to bring any food to the island when they were packing for their trip to Duelist Kingdom. Which, I mean, I guess is reasonable that they expected to be fed there, but also it does make you go like, oh, why didn't y'all bring food? <laughs> I was about to say, A, snacks are always good. B, I also had a curious thing of, I'm sure that Yugi at least got like some sort of brochure that sort of broke stuff down. And everybody else seems at least moderately prepared. Mm-hmm. So did they just like not read? They were just, Yugi has a right to be distracted. His grandpa's been kidnapped and Joey's dealing with a lot of stuff and Tan Tristan snuck on anyway. But it's like, 
was it never mentioned? Because I also feel like it would not be out of character for Pegasus to just not mention yeah. that and be like, survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, it did make me laugh at this point where they're like, oh, we're going to be here for 48 hours and we don't have any food. And then Yugi just goes, hmm, I guess that is a problem. Like, yeah, no shit, it's a problem. You're going to starve. Hello, you need food. Also, I- I'm guessing that they don't say this in the this sub, uh, but I'm curious if they have an equivalent. But he says, I don't see any burger stands or restaurants. And I was like, Americanization, Americanization. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the two, as everybody knows, the two places one can get food are burger stand and restaurant. But those are the two types of places you can, like, what is a, okay, I mean, burger stand. Have you ever gotten burgers from a stand in your life? That's actually true. The o- the only non-restaurant, like, I mean, it's either fast food, maybe a food truck. But honestly, if I'm going to a food truck, I would not go to a burger food truck. I would go to many other food trucks before that. That actually might be a uniquely Japanese thing. I've heard of a hot dog stand, but, like, what the hell is a burger stand? I don't think... Well, because the problem with that is that, like, a hot dog is really easy to, like, cook on a rotisserie or something. Mm-hmm. For it, versus, like, you know, you can't set up a grill as, like, a temporary stand. Because the whole point of a stand is that it's, like, temporary. So yeah. it's, like, a fruit stand, a hot dog stand, all that kind of stuff. It's easy to nuke a hot dog but like calling this into question yugi your hamburger lore is weak literally googling burger stands get that deep burger lore let's go i mean there are some things that are coming up but i'm mostly yeah but i'm seeing places that are called like so-and-so burger stand that are actually just like restaurants i don't know it is just an an odd um like wording to go for maybe it's a new york thing i don't know do we have any new york based listeners tell us if there are burger stands yeah please hit us with the forbidden new york burger knowledge. because i know that i know that that's where um like the dubbing company was based they're all new yorkers so yeah anywho doesn't matter there are no food trucks no burger stands no food of any kind um and anzu says like oh the sponsors are so cheap like the pegasus isn't even giving us food they're talking about oh, how are they going to feed themselves, and then um, Honda pulls out a wilderness survival book that he thought to bring, even though he didn't think to bring food. He did bring a wilderness survival book, which implies that they know that they knew that they were going to be like out in the woods, but they didn't think to bring any snacks. I mean, unless Honda just carries that with him at all times, just in case, it implies that he knew they were going to be in the woods. <laughs> Honestly, all of those are possible. <laughs> And he's like, at the last resort, we could always use this book to find edible plants and mushrooms. And the other kids react like he has just said the most ridiculous thing in the world and is completely insane. Whereas I would have been like, yeah, that's a good point. At least we wouldn't starve to death in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what Taya says in the the sub, but in the dub, she's like, if I don't get my five basic food groups i'm gonna flip out which i'm like that's such a weird way to stay i want food oh yes i wrote this down because i watched it i i watched it in this in english as well doesn't she say doesn't she say um i'm gonna have a um metabolic meltdown if i don't get all the parts of the food period (laughs) well we better do something fast i've gotta have my five basic food groups or else it's metabolic meltdown I was like, what a weird way to say you're afraid of starving. Like, that almost makes it sound petty. But I'm like, no, it's okay to be afraid of starving. But why would you put it in the weirdest way possible? I mean, you won't won't literally starve after two days, but you will be very, very hungry. Do they have a reliable source of clean water, though? That's the real question. That is the question. I think there are, like, um, 
streams. Yeah, rivers and stuff on this island. They should have brought, brought desalinators to handle the water. That would have been the real W, but... Mm-hmm, yeah. So, uh, Genochi, however, he suddenly smells something wafting across the wilderness. Honda says he has the nose of a bloodhound, <laughs> but says that he runs off to go and um, track down whatever this smell was that he smelled. And uh, they find on a cliff that's like near the edge of the ocean, they find um, basically some fish that have been set up and are roasting on sticks over a fire. They look good. Okay, because I thought that looked kind of gross, but I also just don't like fish, so I wasn't sure I love if it fish, was drawn, so. if it was actually like drawn in an unappealing way, or if it's just that I don't like fish. I love fish, and I also like when I was in Italy. One thing like they, I like to do is like they'll serve the fish, and it's literally like they just cook it, and it's got its eye and bones and everything, and you just pick at it. One thing I loved about being in Italy is that most people there. Well, even like restaurants and stuff, their table manners are horrible. Like they'll be slurping up spaghetti. And then like with the fish, there's so many bones to pick around that everyone's just like going at it with their hands. It's like a return to caveman <laughs> kind of thing. Just everyone picking at fish with their hands. And I loved that. Also tasted good. But I, there's just something very primal about like picking fish guts off a bone. Totally. Yeah. Well, I get you. And eating a fish. Honestly, fish eyes are really tasty. They're really salty. I believe you. I mean, I just don't like fish at all, but I wouldn't. That's very valid. It's a very hit or miss food mm-hmm. group and that's understandable yeah. so anyway so anyway i think these fish are drawn well <laughs> nice they see the the gang see these fish and anzu is like um somebody clearly made and roasted that and it's not ours to take but um Jinochi just goes i bet it was put here by god and then just like vaults mm-hmm. over that's what he says in japanese i bet god put those fish here and i was like all right that that's a nice thing to think joey i guess that i'm glad that you believe that you know divine providence is looking out for you uh. He does not say that. He says, he just says, eat first, ask questions later, which I Fair. think is a more reasonable approach, but still. Um, so as uh, Joey and Honda um, jump down to try and eat the fish, suddenly they are interrupted by a fish man. In fact, somebody did to get those fish. So we see angrily emerging from the ocean, Mako Tsunami, um, his actual, that's his dub name, his uh Japanese name is Ryota Kajiki, but I will be calling him Meiko because I think his English name is very fun and it's easy to remember for me. So that's, yeah. it's one of those dub names that sticks in my head. Good dub name. So we Good saw name. him, um, I think two episodes ago, like when they first arrived at Duelist Kingdom, we very saw briefly. a quick flash of him, but he is like like dark skin guy uh, who is wearing nothing but swim suit shorts and has black spiky hair and is constantly carrying a spear and it is clear that he has been in the ocean because he has jumped out of the ocean with water dripping off of him and everything to yell at them and basically say like how dare you steal my fish but then before he can get all the way through the sentence he gets knocked over by a wave and they're like uh and then he scrambles back up over the cliff and goes let me try that one more time how dare you steal my fish (laughs) and um so good yeah did laugh when he got knocked over by the wave this i mean spoilers for our like final thoughts not really one of my favorite episodes but i did laugh at some of the mako stuff the duel is pretty weak but the start is really strong Mm mm-hmm that's my opinion yeah and um they recognize him i think yugi is like oh you're mako tsunami you got third place at the national championships so this guy came in third after bug boy and dinosaur boy 
in sub, do they also call him the top rank ocean duelist? I think he says something like, "I'm the best of all ocean duelists," or something like that. Well, in the in the in the dub, Yuki says he's the top ocean duelist, and I was like, "Does that imply there is a top? Is is Kaiba only the top land duelist? <laughs> what about the top sky duelist?" <laughs> I think I I think that I know what they mean. The modifying is like different. That he's a top ranked duelist who is also ocean themed ocean i guess but it's yeah. such a baffling way of putting things i just love that because i was like kaiba he only i guess he's dragon focused so he must be the best sky duelist mm. but but maybe the land contender we just don't even know it's it's like um the, in international waters there's there's different laws <laughs> there's different dueling rules in international waters anything goes there as we will find out in like five minutes that there are some pretty fucked up different rules in international waters <laughs> for for the duel. Um, Very true. Also, another weird comedy bit is um, there's an octopus on Meiko's head and they're laughing at him because there's an octopus on his head. And he's like, oh my God. And then when he grabs it and he throws it away into the ocean, they're like, no, wait, we could have eaten that too. <laughs> Which great taste because those are so yeah. funny. But um, in the dub, this is also when they start calling him Freaky Fish Guy, which they'll call him for most of the episode. Which I don't think that there's a sub equivalent. I I did look really quickly because I was curious, but it's very sad. It's very sad because Freaky Fish Guy is a great phrase. He just he is a freaky fish guy, a real ocean freak. Um, so they introduce themselves to Mako, and Mako seems pretty friendly. He recognizes Yugi as the person who defeated Kaiba. Hell yeah, he did. Um, this gossip has spread throughout the whole duelist community, and he's like, hey, yeah, you know what, why don't you guys just go ahead and have some fish? And they kind of all sit down, they chow down, they enjoy the fish, and uh, they chat a little bit about themselves with Mako. He says that his goal is to win this tournament and get the prize money so that he can buy a sailing ship. He also says, I love the ocean, I know everything about the ocean, and I can tell when it is happy and when it is upset. And I was like... Okay, cool. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to say. <laughs> also, I don't want to reference the Bridge series too much in this podcast, but I will say I remember the Bridge series for this episode. The whole like joke is that it's like he's he's in love with the ocean, mm -hmm. and so obviously I started watching this and I was like, oh, I kind of remember that joke, but I bet it was overblown. But I was watching this and I was like, damn. <laughs> He's in love. You definitely get vibes that this guy is like, I'm gonna fuck the ocean. Um, he's he's gonna try. God damn it if he isn't gonna try. <laughs> definitely too into the ocean, I would say. Good for him, I guess. I mean, <laughs> there are worse kings. Live your truth, I guess. <laughs> what's the what's the fish version of a furry? I don't know. Scaly for reptiles. I, I um, don't know. Gilly. I mean, I hope it doesn't exist. Actually, I mean, there's a lot there. He does later on. Um, there is an attack that he's like, "This is the tentacle pulverize attack." <laughs> so you know, if you want to get into that kind of thing, <laughs> we won't. We won't think about his his sexual pathologies too much. We'll just we'll just see how he how he duels. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just all let that lay. Let sleeping fish lie. <laughs> yeah, the psychosexual analysis of of all Yu-Gi-Oh characters is um too too deep Ooh. Oh, Ooh. oh well to delve into too deep too dark too bad <laughs> oh my god okay so anyways they eat um the fish they get up they start to walk away and then Mako is wait but I want to say while they're eating it's so weird because while they're eating Mako is making like this really weird smile and like for a minute I was like did he poison it he definitely yeah <laughs> like is it laced with laxatives it's while they are eating too like not after they leave yeah he he does a sort of 
evil grin, like, I've got a deeper plan. It's a very ominous smile, but he's not a, he's not a bad guy at all. And then, um, as they get up to walk away, he throws a, his fishing spear. Harpoon. Yeah, his harpoon. harpoon. He throws it straight at Yugi. It lands uh, by Yugi's feet. Yugi is obviously freaked out. Um, Meiko is like, actually, this fish was my bait to catch unsuspecting duelists. And I challenge you to a duel and you can't leave unless you duel me. Which I just want to say, I don't understand this whole, like, okay, I understand the part of the plan that's like, I'm going to leave out some fish, people will see it, and then they'll come up and they'll maybe want to eat my fish. And then what I don't understand is why isn't his plan just, hey, you can have food if you duel me. Why do I have to offer them the food, wait for them to walk away, and then be like, JK, I demand (laughs) that you duel me now. And then act, he's like, aha, my evil plan, they haven't rumbled. Like, this is so, it's just really weird. Exactly. It's the implication is the implication that he would harpoon them if they yeah say exactly no at this like point. what it's so bizarre it's it's very funny because they already ate the fish yeah it's he's stupid too and also I mean like Yugi and company would they would totally say yes if he was like you can have my food if you promise to duel me like they wouldn't go back on that all of them would be totally down yeah why this weird charade I don't get it especially because he does. He will go on to just be kind of like a friendly character later. I don't know. I just thought it was really yes. weird. He's not even he's not even mean during the duel that follows. He's like a normal duelist mm-hmm. during it. He's very polite, actually, compared to a lot of brats that we fight in this uh, season. I think the only way the plan would have been as evil is if he really did lace the food with like laxatives. So it's like, <laughs> huh, you have to duel me. And also, you're shitting yourself the whole time. <laughs> That's more of a weevil move, though. Mika would never do that. But it just makes the whole ominous framing even more funny. Yeah, it's But anyway, baffling. it's it's time to duel. Yeah, so um, the dueling platform rises up dramatically from the ocean. Then they get onto it. Unclear how, as, as far as I can tell, there are no like stairs or anything connecting this dueling platform to the cliff that they are currently on. They're just, boom, they're just on it. And it seems like there was like 15 feet in between the dueling platform and the cliff. So again, no idea how they got there. Whatever. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Anyways, just don't think about it. And it's Yami time. Yeah, it's Yami time. Yami, like, pops out of the Millennium Puzzle. Yami takes over. And they are ready to begin the duel. And they wager two star chips each. I don't know if that's all of Mako's. I don't. I didn't write that down. Is it all of his? I, it looked to me like he had more. Because um, at the end, yeah. he kind of... He, he will go on to duel more, I believe. Okay. So not all of his, but still... After he loses, he's like, we'll both keep fighting. So he can't mm-hmm. have lost all of his star chips because if you lose them all, you leave, right? True. So, yeah. True. Yeah, we don't see him get kicked off. Yami has three, right? Yeah, because he won two from Weevil and he started Yeah, because he started with one and then won two. So neither of them would... This is not like a life or death duel for either of them, but it is a duel. But still, going back down to one would suck, so. Yeah, so we've got this field. It's about half uh, ocean and half wasteland, I think, whatever. Um, And we begin our ocean duel. And I'm just going to say straight up, I mean, I'm going to go over everything that happens in it. But mostly this duel is a bunch of bullshit. And I... 
Hardcore agree. Hardcore the ocean agree. fish fish too OP. Please nerf. Like literally, this duel literally, is crazy. this ocean shit is insane. Also, there is some absolutely nonsensical Pokemon elemental bull. Actually, even worse than Pokemon, just like bizarre elemental knowledge. Yeah, this is peak dual monsters. Is just like Calvin Ball, and you just say whatever, and then things just fucking happen. Whatever. It, yeah, but we'll get to it. Yeah, wait. Here's my note. Ocean field surface busted. Is what I wrote in my notes. And yeah. it is. So, Way too strong. as they're, you know, playing their first monsters, apparently the ocean can completely hide Mako's ocean monsters so that Yugi cannot attack them. He can't even see what they are. Mako mm-hmm. says, I played it in attack position. But if he hadn't said that, then Yami would have had no way of knowing that. But they can attack him. Mm-hmm. Total nonsense. That's so BS. <laughs> How are you supposed to fight this ocean? these ocean monsters other than through the completely ridiculous strategy that Yami ends up coming up with? So anyways, Mako's first monster is Devil Kraken. And it kills uh, Yami Yugi's feral imp. Defeats it. There's some kind of nice, I guess, like painted special painted insert shots of like the Kraken attacking that look very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yami plays defensively once he figures out this whole ocean strategy thing. He's kind of trying to um, play more cautiously until he can figure out a way to defeat it. Uh, He tries to do an electrical attack because he's like, oh, I'll just infuse the ocean with electricity and zap all the monsters. More Pokemon bullshit. And not to be weird, but he he uses this spell card on his feral imp called Horn of the Unicorn. Which decreases its attack points and apparently, for some reason, also makes it go from like a normal attacking monster to an electric attack, even though the card just represents a cool unicorn horn. I was like, in what? I think how- imp- I looked up the real card. I feel like the imp has already, I, I might have made this up, but I feel like he has previously played Feral Imp and been like, imp, electricity attack or something. So I feel like I already had it in my head somehow that this imp uses electrical attacks. God damn it! I was trying to find the. I was trying to find the. Um, I was looking on the wiki, but I accidentally went on the German Yu-Gi-Oh wiki. Why? Why is it the first result in DuckDuckGo? I hate this. <laughs> Desperal imp. Yeah, it doesn't have any implications. Maybe its attack is a, is electric, but I don't think so. I don't know. For some reason, it didn't bother me. It it really bothered me because I was like, none of these imply electricity. I maybe I love the idea of like, oh, I'm just if you're making shit up with this stupid ocean thing, I'm just gonna say my feral empathex with the electricity now. And for some reason, that works because hard of the cards. I think that would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I'm I'm looking up um the the anime page for feral imp um is mm-hmm. not very comprehensive. It doesn't like it. It lists that Yuji has it in his deck, but it doesn't talk about like when he's it's it just has appearances i know i'm trying to i'm trying to see what they yell i'm like what does yugi yell like what's the attack phrase and people are like who gives a shit it's feral imp and i'm like yeah exactly it's nobody cares about feral imp god damn it (laughs) show me the lore (laughs) anyway so he tries an electric attack but that so that should work right because it's like a it's a water type so using my pokemon logic that should easily crush Mako's water type, right? But no, because actually one of the cards that Mako had played in defense position was a jellyfish, and the jellyfish has the ability to absorb all the electricity and negate the other water monster's weaknesses to electricity. 
Um, so that didn't work. So stupid. I love how even, like, if you attack one of them, it's like, no matter who you attack, it'll hit the jellyfish and it'll just absorb. Stupidest shit of all time. I don't know. I mean, that made sense to me, um, within the insane logic of this specific duel, because, um, okay, okay. he seemed, because Yami seemed to be assuming that, like, he would be getting all of the water monsters with the electric attack, which, if you're thinking about the real world logic of electrifying bunch of water, it would go to all of them, right? Like, I guess that's fair. So it worked for me. I don't know. Within the constraints of this bizarre duel where everything works on completely ridiculous logic. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> next, Yami Yugi plays uh, Silver Fang, who is a wolf. A wolf. Yes. And then it also he also plays um, a card that is the full moon. Next up, we're meeting uh, Mako's key monster, which is uh, in Japanese, it's just called Leviathan. In English, it's called Kairushin, which Yami's voice actor and Mako's voice actor managed to pronounce in completely separate completely ways, ways in the dub, which I was like, okay, cool. Like, somebody should have... It's like a Japanese word. You don't have to... I don't care if you get the pronunciation exactly right, but you should at least have your, two, your two characters yeah. saying it the same way. <laughs> that bothered me. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you did you mention how Mako was able to summon this? For some reason, he wasn't able to before, but because you, he played his full moon card, Mako was like, oh, because you've played the full moon card, the tides have risen, so now I can play my Okay, Kyrushin. so he does actually say that? Because that comes up later, and I apparently missed that. I must have missed that first line, because when that comes up later, I was like, you've never mentioned this tides thing before, but yeah. No, he mentions that with the full moon, which, okay... A, that's really stupid, because that's probably has nothing to do with the full moon card. It's literally just an attack boost card. But I will say, even though it's stupid and seems to apply incredibly arbitrarily, depending on what kind of magic card, that is something I kind of like about this season, is that magic cards can potentially, like, they affect everybody in the field equally. Mm -hmm. For example, Joey's, actually, Time Wizard's technically a monster, but, like, Joey's Time Wizard, in future, when he uses it, A, it's mechanics change to more of, like, a, a lottery kind of thing, or, like, a... Because that's how Time Wizard actually works in the real game. Yes. Well, but like Time Wizard, it only affects his f side of the field. And it was actually kind of cool to see it be like, not like it's it's just time passing on the field. Like as much as a lot of this field logic stuff can be really stupid. It's fun to imagine a Yu-Gi-Oh where like all of even magic cards that would boost your stuff might have like totally different effects. So you would like really have to think about the kind of cards you would play. Mm -hmm. Like if not, it'd be difficult because then you'd have to remember all that shit, which is part of the thing that makes this watching the season kind of frustrating. But it is actually kind of cool. That there yeah. is, like, oh, wow, yeah, moon. How would that affect the ocean? Yeah, I think it gives... The problem is that the rules are incredibly arbitrary and based just, like, on what the theme of the week is. Yeah, but... it does give... It gives this kind of almost, like, playing a tabletop RPG-type vibes to it, where you can come up with an out-of-the-box solution for something instead of a mechanical solution. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. he's mm -hmm. like, well, there's a moon, so obviously the moon is gonna cause the tides, because that's how a moon work the moon works. And then, yeah. obviously, later on, I can do stuff with the moon card that you wouldn't think you'd be able to do if that's how a moon would work in real life, because that's, like, the internal logic of this, like, hologram world that we've created and i don't know i mean it is kind of fun to watch i can understand why people would find it frustrating but it's i think it's actually kind of good it's like i think it's fun i personally found this duel frustrating because yes i felt like the ocean the is just so overpowered ocean, yes because i felt like the ocean was so overpowered that it was silly where i was like 
even within the everything just works on these bullshit, like internal logic, whatever, you know, don't worry about it too much rules. Within that, the ocean seemed like stupidly overpowered and to work in an inconsistent way. So that's why it bothered me rather yeah. than the general like the moon causing tides doesn't bother me because I understand. No, no, I think the, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's it's just yeah. It's yet again the problem of like it's because they want to keep the stakes up. But like any time an opponent plays cards like that, nine times out of ten, it's not going to benefit Yugi or jo- Joey or whoever is on our side that's dueling but mm-hmm. whenever you get jo- joey play stuff like that the opponent's gonna be like well actually you didn't consider that because uh the sun is out and i'm using plant-based monsters <laughs> they photosynthesize and gain like that's not an yeah, actual exactly. example but some shit like that would happen you know what i mean so yeah it's a little unbalanced and this duel is very unbalanced but overall it's a cool dynamic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but i guess so anyway it's the more... moon is out I guess it's seen as being more dramatic to watch to set up this like seemingly impossible thing how's to he gonna overcome, get out of this one? and that yeah, how's he gonna get out of this one? But I think it works. I don't think it works that well in this episode because but it works well enough because Mako is just some guy, and because yeah, you have just, to imagine he's that just some freaky fish guy. Yeah, and because and because you have to imagine that like ocean and fish based cards must be a relatively common thing. It's not exactly. like Mako is like this is my incredibly super special. Rare. Nobody ever has this super rare power. It's like this is how the ocean field works, and it's like that. If can't he's be the right. top ocean duelist, exactly that means other <laughs> ocean duelist. So because later on we will see ridiculously overpowered stuff like when. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler. When Yami, uh, when Yugi will duel Pegasus, Pegasus Mm -hmm. has a bunch of really overpowered cards, but that totally makes sense because Pegasus is the creator of the game. So he could just make up overpowered bullshit and have it printed and be like, I'm the only one who has this ridiculously OP card. And that that works character wise, but it bugged me in this one. I totally agree. He's like the final boss too of the season. So it just didn't Mm -hmm. check out. Anyways, um, now Kairushin, the Leviathan, is um on the water and it has um trans it has basically transformed like all of the card spaces except for one into water which apparently you also can't play land monsters like on the water spaces because yami's like i can't play any of my monsters here whatever so dumb uh anyways time for mako's tragic backstory we get a flashback of him as a kid i can't remember exactly like why he started talking about this but this was just where it where it was at in the episode, I guess. So he explains that his dad was a great fisherman, but he lost him to the ocean. Um, when he was a child, he and his father were out on the ocean, and his dad was like, the ocean is so beautiful and peaceful right now, and I feel in tune with it. But then there was a sudden storm, and baby Mako learned that um, you can't trust the ocean. It's very changeable, and it could turn into a storm at any time. And then that's... Because this happened, Mako has decided that he must become the greatest fisherman in the world and be able to sail even when there's a storm to avenge his dad, question mark? Like, the the logic of this didn't make a ton of sense to me, but I'm okay with it because I'm okay with the logic not making a ton of sense because it's like he was a kid who, like, went through a traumatic experience, so I'm not gonna, like, nitpick, like, what he took from that as a person. But yeah, go ahead and tell me what it is in the dub, because I know that they're not allowed to talk about people dying. So if Mako's dad didn't drown, what happened? Um, so they basically say, oh, he tied me to the mast, um, in order to save me. Uh, a huge wave swept him out to sea. I know he's still alive and I'm going to use the prize money to buy a boat so I can search the seven seas until he finds him. Which, like, 
unlikely. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. I, I think that's, that's a weird. sweet motive. It's still a sweet motivation. And honestly, since we've established that Mako's kind of stupid, I don't really mind because <laughs> I don't. I think that a, he he's probably like, well, my dad was a great fisherman, so he probably is just like landed on some island and is just surviving out there. And like you know, the point is he still loves the sea, but respects it and fears it and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it it kind of works for me. It, like you can pick holes in the logic, but it's like people aren't always logical. And yeah, I'm not very... too mad about it. Uh, yeah, the way you talk about that, it's yeah. that seems fine to me as well. Um, but yeah, in in Japanese, it's um like I want to become the greatest fisherman ever, and I want to. It seems like he wanted to basically prove himself to be able to overcome like the things that the thing that his dad wasn't able to overcome like he conquer the ocean when his dad wasn't able to yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so i think i think in both there's some logistical issues with it but it holds up reasonably well because we understand that it doesn't need to make a ton of sense because it's like i was traumatized Mm -hmm. when i was eight and this is what i took from it going forward like that doesn't need to be dead dad alert (laughs) dead dad problems dead dad alert maybe but highly likely (laughs) no one in Yu-Gi-Oh has a present good dad he went to the shadow realm (laughs) (laughs) the underwater shadow realm that's why you gotta become the best ocean duelist to fight the ocean shadow realm. Oh yeah, the ocean shadow realm is like a totally separate part of the shadow realm. You know it. <laughs> that's what the Mari- That's what like the Mariana trench is. Mariana, whatever. Okay. Anyways, Yami's reaction to this is <laughs> killed. Is, is literally like he just looks bored. <laughs> like I can't do this. But what I wrote in my notes is I wrote an emoji to express it in my notes, and I wrote Yami's reaction is equal sign underscore underscore equal sign that is what his face looks like i don't have another way to describe this that isn't visual yeah i can't believe somebody basically like laying their heart out because like my dad is dead i have to conquer the ocean or find try and find him because i don't think he's dead like no matter what he's saying it's like you would at least be like damn son that's harsh and he's just like he's just like looks at him like okay <laughs> i just thought it was very stone faced is hilarious he doesn't care no, i was cackling anyways Yami plays um, a card called Giant Soldier of Stone. You know, it's going to attack, blah, blah, blah. But then we get a an iconic, an iconically ridiculous moment where Mako is like, huh, you think you can attack my monster? It's not going to work. And then Yami says, oh, who said I was attacking your monster? I'm actually attacking the magic card I played earlier. Giant soldier of stone, destroy the moon. So the big old rock soldier stands up, it shatters the moon, and because the moon was causing the tides, the water recedes, and all of Mako's water monsters um, have now died. You know, they're out of the water, and uh, Yugi wins. <laughs> pretty much, it pretty much happens that quickly. Like, he also plays some other card and some other magic card, but it happens that fast. Then it destroys all the monsters, which doesn't affect his life points, so he plays a, a monster card that has enough attack points to one hit finish it off. So, as soon as he destroyed the moon, the game was over. <laughs> yes. Attack the moon! <laughs> Easily... Obviously, I don't remember all the gimmicks from all of the episodes that are upcoming, but I would be shocked if this was dethroned as not the stupidest ass pull of the series it is one of the stupidest oh, I ass have, pulls. I have a dumber one in mind, actually, that I have always thought of as the dumbest one. Oh, I'm very excited then. Um, But that's not quite the end of the episode, though, is it? Well, it's almost the end. Uh, we do also get, I noted, um, the first instance of an iconic Yu-Gi-Oh thing um chin face is what it's called um where 
this is the first time we see it and it will occur again but there are these moments where usually joey occasionally other characters will make this really weird like twisted up face and they do it at the end when they're cheering for yugi with they're like yay yugi won and then we just see joey making this bizarre face i mean Google chin face, okay? Like, I can't describe it in any other way other than having telling <laughs> you to look at face. it. Okay. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Every, you know what this is, Jenny. Like, you have seen this as a Yu-Gi-Oh fan. I'm sure I've seen it, but like, oh, it's the, oh, it's the thing where his face gets all distorted. The creepy chin. Yes, yeah. it's chin face. <laughs> is this really the first one of that? I mean, we certainly haven't seen it before, so... Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, the really famous instances of it come during Battle City, but oh god, that's so good. Mm -hmm. I can't even describe what... I don't even know how to describe this. That's what I was just saying. You have to just look it up. I can't describe it. It's like somebody... We'll definitely make it a screenshot for the episode, or the podcast episode. I feel like you could also do it as, like, a Joker face, almost, but only, like, nose down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it that way. Joey has been Jokerfied. <laughs> I think it was just the animators like messing around in this one episode, and then they made it like an inside joke on the animation team. But basically, but we will see Chin Face again, usually randomly in the background in like quick reaction shots, and usually on Joey. Oh God! Uh, for some reason, it didn't click when you were saying Chin Face, but now, God, yeah, I've always thought of it as just Joey's creepy chin. But you know what? I'm not as plugged in as you are. So, uh, anyways, um, the last, like, wrap-up moment is Yami and uh, Mako, like, shaking each other's hand, and, you know, they give each other a friendly handshake as fellow duelists. Our main characters um, walk away happily to a new duel, a new time, while Mako returns back and jumps back into the ocean to once again... Returns to the sea. (laughs) Yeah, he's gonna go fishing again, because he's like, you ate all my fish, and now after dueling it up, I'm hungry again. He's gonna set his trap again. This time he should lay some with laxatives, like I said. (laughs) While we're keeping tabs on such things, Yugi now has five star chips, so that's where we're at. So we're halfway to the goal of celebrate the fact that for the first time in the series yugi has dueled somebody yugi or joey who has not dueled a bitch this is the first non-bitch opponent (laughs) yeah fair enough yeah like mako's kind of a freaky fish guy but he's that's like the first time where like a duel's ended and there wasn't like he's a bro yeah like he's yeah he's like everybody he's dueled so far kaiba bitch pegasus mega bitch weevil bitch my bitch positive (laughs) (laughs) bitch parentheses positive yeah 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 but still mako even though um, to kind of get into our feelings for this episode, like the start, fun, stupid stuff. Honestly, I hate to say it, even though, like, this duel is so frustrating, it's also kind of fun, that, like, the ones where you're just like, what the hell? What the hell? This is so stupid. It's definitely better than being boring, because you are kind of like, oh, how are they going to get out of this? I bet they're just going to pull the card out of it. Honestly, actually, this is sound weird. I actually kind of prefer this weird ass pull stuff to, oh, I pr- I have a perfect card for this situation that will never be used again and is like, mm-hmm. works yeah. literally just for the situation. It's almost better to have like a creative thing like this because- The Calvin Ball bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of as an audience member. Logically, it's worse, but actually as an audience member, it's more fun to be like, attack the moon. What the hell? Versus, <laughs> oh, wait, he played the no more water card. I wonder if we'll ever see that again. We won't. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. I Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with you. And actually, I will say that the um, attack the moon moment is so iconic in its ridiculousness that it was later turned into an actual magic card in the real game. 
Um, and so the real the real card is called Attack the Moon exclamation point. And it has a picture of giant soldier of stone attacking the moon. And it's a spell yeah. card. And the, uh, the actual effect is if you play this card, then when you change uh, the battle position, so switching between attack and defense position of a rock type monster, you can destroy one spell card that your opponent controls. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like that. <laughs> and I think that's just a really fun thing for the like game creators to do is to take this like iconically ridiculous moment and give it a real card. <laughs> I love that. I remember laughing so hard when I um because I didn't know this card existed until I drew it in Duel Links at one point, and I remember pulling it in a pack in Duel Links and just laughing so hard and being like, "Oh my god, they took it from that moment and they made it a real thing." I love that. Uh, any other thoughts on the episode? Overall thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of generic. I think, I feel like I pretty much covered it already because we kept kind of dipping into our thoughts, like, as we were discussing the plot. Checks in, checks out. Yeah, I mean, it's one and done. Like, I watched it, I was entertained. It's not an episode that I can see myself, like, randomly just be like, man, I really want to watch the Yami versus Mako duel. Uh, But I think think I'll be bringing up that Attack the Moon once or twice in the future. But yeah, other than that. Yeah, it's a great moment. Like I said, I think I said this about the last episode, too. Very much just like, it's an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Could be better, could be worse. Yep, sure but, is. I'm not mad about it. I watched it, you know, it's it's more fun to talk about really bad or really good episodes than one of these Absolutely was just agree. like, I, I watched it and it was fun. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I watched it and it was fun. What more can you ask for, I guess? I, I could be totally wrong, but I'm guessing that there's no major manga differences, right? There's actually only, um, I've just been skimming through the manga and there's actually only one significant thing that jumped out at me, which is that okay. we were talking about Mako's tragic backstory and it is a little different in the manga. So in the manga, actually, he doesn't have a dead dad. His dad is alive. So he found one living Yu-Gi-Oh dad. Yay. Wow. His backstory is he still wants the prize money to buy a boat because his, he was out fishing with his dad. There was a shipwreck and him and his dad were happened to be rescued. They were saved by a passing ship, but their boat was destroyed. And so now they can't fish anymore. And so he wants to like be able to go out and fish again. That's such a cute but reasonable backstory. Like that's like an actual human backstory that people would have. I know. It's like very simple, but it works. <laughs> and it still it still hits the motivation of like he's doing it for love and like for his family and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also says, um, not long before our boat sank, there was an oil spill not far from there. Those idiots angered the sea with their pollution. So we're still getting into this. So there's a little, like, environmental message, I guess. He should be an eco-terrorist. And we're getting into this idea of, like, him viewing the sea as, like, a very personified thing where you know... His wife. It, the sea is his wife, yes. My wife. So, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's not much of a difference. And I don't really have, like, any sort of opinion on it one way or the other i think all of those versions of his backstory work i do kind of like the manga one for being more realistic and for wow there's one living Yu-Gi-Oh dad who doesn't suck we've identified the one person who has a good dad that's why mako is such a nice guy is because he has like a functional dad (laughs) the effect of a good dad wow (laughs) never underestimate it folks yeah i mean that's pretty much all there is to say about it um and uh, we're gonna be carrying on do you want to um, fill out the rest of our 
episode with our favorite little game to play just to have something fun to do i'd be down this was a pretty short episode too so i i think we we've got the time yeah no um no significant differences we didn't really like debate about anything Mm -hmm. since we don't have a guest i'm about to get my ass whipped because i've noticed that every time there's a guest i usually do at least two out of three if not three up for three but uh, every time I'm so low, the ghost doesn't even, the guest, ghost, the ghost, the ghost, the, the, ghost, ghost, the shipping the ghost. ghost, the guest doesn't even need to know what Yu-Gi-Oh is. And I still do better with a guest. <laughs> I don't understand it, but right. Hit me. So, yes. So for anybody who just to give our little introduction to this, in case um, you perhaps haven't tuned into our other episodes, um, we're playing a little game um, that has to do with shipping. So like every fandom, the Yu-Gi-Oh fans like to imagine their favorite characters in various pairings and various ship combinations. But unlike most fandoms, um, fans name ships in a very strange way where everything is named after some kind of noun or adjective or just word that in some way presumably describes the character's relationship but then followed by the word shipping so what i like to do what we like to do here is i go to a list of every Yu-Gi-Oh ship i randomize that list and then we look at the name that comes up and we see whether or not jenny can guess what characters does that ship refer to <laughs> So. And for help, Ellie also narrows it down to characters that we have met before or have been mentioned before. So nobody that you guys don't know will show up. Um, and the lists will get more elaborate as more and more characters are introduced, which is very fun. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to do it now, because we've met all of these um, fun and interesting, fun and interesting characters um, from Duelist Kingdom. So we can see whether or not you know who they are, who these people are. <laughs> oh, hmm, okay. All right, so our first ship is... <laughs> I don't even know how you're supposed to pronounce this. Well, hell yeah. Argen shipping? A-R-G-E-N shipping. Like a uh, silver? Like argent? Yes, that does appear to be the derivation of this word. Okay. Category. It is a... This is a male-male pairing. Fuck, okay. Um too many dudes once there's women it becomes so much easier <laughs> um okay well argent i'm assuming is like because silver so having silver hair so i think pegasus is probably one of them you've correctly guessed the justification for the ship is because they both have silver hair okay who has silver hair besides pegasus i would quibble with this one a little but grandpa's hair is not really silver Pegasus, the idea of a Pegasus grandpa ship is very funny to me. Okay, I'm going through all the characters you've met. Mm, Yugi, no. Yami, no. Joey, no. I love how you did Yugi and Yami separately, like they have different colored <laughs> hair. <So. laughs> I got it. I literally am just trying to cover all my bases. Joey, no. Kaiba, no. No, 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 no. Mokuba, we sort of met. Oh, Mokuba's not included, I don't think, in the list either because he's a baby. Mm. There are some hmm. Mokuba ships in here, but he definitely doesn't okay. have silver hair. Um uh okay maybe bakura but I, I i would count his hair as explicitly white like not silvery at all i'm almost thinking towards grandpa but his hair one second i'm gonna look up a picture of grandpa i do love the idea of <laughs> part of the reason i'm attached even though i think it's unlikely like i think way more people would ship pegasus with bakura because they're both younger and hotter yeah no grandpa's hair is more gray because he's an old man 
Oh, I'm going to eat it so hard if it is Grandpa Pegasus in the end. Okay, I'm going to need your guess. Just because I think, I don't think there's grandpa ships, I will go with Pegasus Bakura, because, even though I kind of don't think Bakura's hair is silver, but like, okay. whatever. Please clarify which version of Bakura you're guessing, you Yami Bakura or Ryo Bakura. Fuck, okay. Mm. Um, it's honestly a total guess at this point. Uh, let's go with Evil Bakura. Alright. Uh, you were so close. This is Fuck! in fact, <laughs> this ship is in fact Pegasus and Ryo Bakura. Uh, I feel like his hair gets slightly more silvery when he comes eviler. Like, it's darker. So I thought that was why. Damn it. Fuck. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't describe um, Bakura's hair as silver, really. But it is like, I mean, it's sort of like off-white, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it's too... I think it's okay. Like, <laughs> I'll let it pass. <laughs> you know? <laughs> when you compare yeah. it to certain other um, ships that I can think of where there's like no justification at all. I did just check to see whether or not there is a Pegasus Grandpa ship, and I'm very sad to tell you that it does not appear to have a ship name, which you would really think that it would because they have interacted in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, (laughs) there is some vague interaction, but I guess people just um, aren't ready for age gap relationships (laughs) or shipping Grandpa with anyone. So sad. They even have the sexy, like, he's kept keeping Grandpa hostage thing, which that's a sexy trope, so untapped potential yeah exactly like there's so there is something there's something that you could mind so we've we've identified another ship that people don't identify a weakness mm-hmm. oh, people should yeah. though well you were very close and you were definitely thinking the right way but we didn't quite get that one okay so let's find another ship okay do you know what shore shipping is like the shore of an ocean? Yeah, S H O R E shore. Category please. Male, female. Oh, okay, this one's easy then. It's Mako and Taya. Hmm. Um no, it is not. What? You are close. This pairing is actually shipping uh Mako and Serenity. Fuck, because Serenity went to the beach that one time. I know. So this is here I have a little bit of beef with the um shipping list tumblr which is they say it just says unknown reasons but to me i think it's pretty obvious that they would name it that because the ocean shore there's this like iconic scene of serenity on talking about how much she loves being at the beach and then mako is also associated with the water so like for me this pairing name actually makes sense the pairing i'm not sure (laughs) like it's just like two people who have never met and we're just gonna put them together but i get the name damn it Oh, I got so arrogant because I was like, male, female, it's going to be easy. Okay, this next one, I'm I'm zero for two. I got to get at least one or else my pride and honor are obliterated. I've got to be more patient. I've got to think things through. Lay it on me. I'm scared. All right. Do you know what silent shipping is? <gasps> that actually sounds kind of familiar, I think. Silent shipping? That actually sounds quite familiar. Yeah, this is one that I like have heard this is, of. I think I know what this is. Is it male, female? Yes, it is. Okay, I think this is Seto and Serenity. Yes, it is. Um, And it's really funny because I remember looking at that ship name and being like, why is it called that? And then I was like, is this some weird thing where it's like Serenity's always silent around him, which means that she has a crush on him or some weird. Is there, I'm making this up. Apparently the justification is that they never interact. (laughs) So they actually, okay, actually, 
You can feel free to cut this, but this is a very light spoiler. Okay, actually, okay, non-spoiler version that you can put in the podcast. Uh, basically, they interact once, and he is acknowledges her, but is not hostile to- towards her. Which everybody was like, "Oh my god, he's in love." <laughs> Kaiba had a vaguely non-hostile interaction with anyone. And that's the end of the interaction. But he doesn't, like, frown or anything. He just kind of looks at her, like... He looks at her for two seconds, which is very funny. But people are like, wow, it's a female character he isn't mean to. Which I'm like, the entire appeal of the only good... Okay, well, not the only good straight Zeto ship, but, like, probably the best... Is that they are bitchy to each other. That's a great dynamic. Yeah, I was gonna say, trust shipping is good because there's some, like, tooth there. I don't want to see Kaiba being nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is not the appeal. That is not the appeal of any of the ships. But yeah, I think I think this is a ship that people um, glommed onto because uh, they, like, use Serenity as a self-insert, basically. Because oh, there's not a whole lot... I mean she doesn't have much going on in her characterization. Like, she's a nice person, you know, there's a little bit there, but she she's a side character who doesn't have a lot of, like, detail to her. So I think this is a ship that was very popular, especially in kind of, like, the early days of fandom where people were self-inserting or whatever and were um, creating content for um, Kaiba, where it's like, here's a woman that I can pair him with because mm-hmm. I'm a 14-year-old straight fangirl with a crush on Kaiba or whatever. Should've so I'm not going to make him gay, but I want to like have like a ship that I can get into. And also because people want to like expand on um, her. As also because people want to expand on her character and because they think it would be funny because and Joey um, and Seto. Seto and Joey have such a rivalry to like put his sister with her with Seto. I mean, I get the impulse, but it does not interest me at all as like a I think the ship, ship is bad, but any situation where they would be like brothers is inherently hilarious to that me. That is funny. Like where they would force to be family in like an in-law situation would be probably the funniest dynamic between those two possible. Um, I just found a post about, I, I Google image searched silent shipping, mm-hmm. and I found this Tumblr post from a blog called, fuck yeah, controversial couples, where apparently the premise of this <laughs> Tumblr is that you just post like about ships that people don't like, and you're like, I like this, but here's why people don't like it. I love that. Pairing, silent shipping, series, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, reasons why they're disliked. People say Serenity is weak. They have limited interaction in the anime and none at all in the manga. It is considered a cliche dynamic of the sweet, innocent girl melting the antagonistic guy's heart. And I'm like, okay, but like... (laughs) That's so funny. I was gonna say, I would have many other reasons why I think it'd be controversial. I mean, like, I think there'd be some stuff where it's like, people can be misogynistic and stuff but i think like it'd be more like there's nothing there bro there's nothing there. i mean they did it is really just so there's nothing there type ship so it doesn't offend me because i'm like there's nothing but actually i'll be frank sometimes that's the advantage exactly sometimes it's literally those kind of ships are better and sometimes they're really good I want to see what other Yu-Gi-Oh pairings are controversial <laughs> according oh, yeah. to this website okay hmm. okay okay um uh, Yugi and Anzu, apparently this is controversial. I don't see it this way because I think this is a very inoffensive ship that is like almost canon and I don't understand why people are mad about it. I think it's good ship. It's <laughs> One of these pairings, the listed reasons for why it's hated, it has a couple reasons, but one of the pair, the reasons they listed is just the fangirls are crazy. <laughs> 
That's every that's every fan content in the universe, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's why people hate thief chipping. Apparently, is the fangirls are crazy. Okay, well that's actually true. Those bitches are crazy. <laughs> wait, I was like, wait, I take it back. Those bitches. I'm saying are crazy. this is someone who likes thief shipping, but you're right. Um, no offense. <laughs> no, I I also like it, but those bitches be crazy. Let's be frank. We love you if you're listening. But yeah, okay. This is uh, I think we've gotten two in the weeds of pairings of like stuff pairings between yeah, characters who haven't even appeared yet. So let's um let's I think we can close out this conversation. Yeah, we'll re we'll reinvestigate it after Battle City. Let's like take a note. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we don't have much else for today's episode, but I think you guys are going to be very excited about the next couple of episodes. There will be a return of a beloved character and quite a bit of wacky shenanigans. Also some oh, yeah. great dub changes. So really the best of everything that Yu-Gi-Oh! has to offer. Um, yep. Bye, everybody. We're going to see you next time for some Kaiba content. Um, we're going to have the return of uh, Mokuba, and um, it'll be the first episode where it, the first episode of Dual Monsters where Mokuba Kaiba gets featured. So that's exciting. So we're very much going to win. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com. 